Good morning, Iwoo. How y'all doing? Yeah. This is nice. This is big. You know, I want to thank John and his team for giving me this opportunity to hang out with you all for a little bit and to share with you what the Lord's been dealing with me on in my heart. Um, I don't know about you, but I love chapel. As a matter of fact, the first chapel service I ever attended as a high school senior changed my life, and not in the way that many of you might think. I remember sitting in the audience like you're sitting in this audience today, and I was checking out an institution similar like this, and up on that stage, I saw something that was so beautiful, that was so fine. I saw this, this, this PYT, pretty young thing, that... Uh, I just felt in my heart that she was the one. So what does a high school senior who's checking out a college say to this woman after chapel service? The first words that came out of my mouth was, hello, I just want you to know that you're going to be my wife. (laughs) It took some convincing once I came to the university, but About 18 years later, we are married and have four beautiful children. So So if you don't get anything out of chapel today, just get this. You might find your wife today or your husband. Just joking. Uh, Would you pray with me again real quick as we get into God's Word? Father, this moment, would you allow the words of my mouth and even the meditations of my heart, allow them to be acceptable in your sight for you, God, and you alone are my strength and my redeemer. Let the people of God say, amen, amen. Uh, Things were going according to plan for this picture in the summer of 1974. At this point in the season, he held the best record in the National League and was considered to be a key contributor to the resurgence of the Los Angeles Dodgers. But it was at the pinnacle of his career that life for Tommy John would become unhinged. His ulnar collateral ligament in his throwing arm had torn away from the bone around his elbow. And the prognosis for Tommy wasn't good at all. As a matter of fact, most specialists only gave him a 1% chance of making a complete recovery. But luckily for Tommy John, he was able to undergo a newly invented medical procedure that would enable him to continue his career and go on to win 164 more Major League Baseball games. You see, Tommy John made a comeback. Uh, After coming out of retirement at the age of 40, many considered the chances of this man recapturing the World Heavyweight Championship quite slim. As a matter of fact, as you can tell in the picture, there wasn't nothing slim about this man when he made the decision to return to the ring to engage in a sport where youthfulness reigned supreme. Unlike his glory days as a champion, George Foreman now stood in the ring a chubbier man. See, retirement had been very good to him. 
And although his physical condition changed a bit, uh, his internal drive and motivation to return to a platform of greatness, it remained the same. And so it stands that at the age of 45 years old, George Foreman shocked the world when he KO'd the reigning champ, 26-year-old Michael Moore, with a right punch to the chin. Two decades after holding the title for the first time, he, began the, he became the champion again. See, friends, George Foreman also made a comeback. After the gruesome murder of his father, the best basketball player of all time, and I'm sorry for you LeBron James lovers, Kevin Durant, or whatever, Michael Jordan was the greatest basketball player of all time. That's right, get an amen on that one. <laughs> After his father's mother, uh, murder, he decided to hang up his sneakers in the year of 1993. He thought that a change of scenery might be good for him, so he attempted to play minor league baseball. But after a mediocre stint in the minors, Michael Jordan decided that it was time to go back to doing what he did best. And although he was confident in his decision to return, there were many who refused to be as optimistic for Michael. They doubted that he could return to being the dominant player he once was. But Jordan took this negativity in stride. He allowed the doubts of others to propel him and his team to three consecutive NBA championships. See, Michael Jordan, too, made a comeback. If your story was told right now, how would the narrator describe your comeback? What form of greatness do you need to return to, not tomorrow, not next week, but right now? You see, there's no doubt in my mind that one thing we all need to return to is a state of greatness in God. And I want you to know something this morning. See, as a campus pastor at Huntington, I, I, I realize that not everybody who, who attends a Christian college really believes in Jesus. So this message today isn't just exclusively for the Christian. Because you see, regardless of our theological stance towards Jesus, whether we choose to believe in him or not, we all have been designed to radiate greatness. No matter where you've been and no matter what you've done, you possess the potential to be great for the glory of God. I think God is sitting in heaven and he's thinking to himself, it's time out for people walking around, not living into the greatness, the potential that I've invested in him, in them. You know, I believe that there needs to be an awakening within us that helps us realize the potential that we have to live lives of spiritual and moral integrity. There's greatness in us. And I want you to know today, I'm not just saying that to, to, to say some catchy motivational soundbite. I am telling you what is the truth that's revealed in the Word of God. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 states, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. 
Before we ever decided to commit our belief and worship in God, the Holy Trinity made a commitment to deposit greatness in us. No matter our color, no matter our personality, each and every one of us received the image and likeness of God. You see, that's why despite our attitude towards Jesus, there are moments when we demonstrate characteristics that resemble the very heart of God. Because embedded deep within our genetic code is a divine strand known as the image and likeness of God. And that DNA, that genetic code cannot be erased. It's kind of like parenting. It's what we receive from our parents. I, I got to tell you, I, I remember being in your position. And life at a Christian college wasn't that enjoyable for me at times because I, I never really had a relationship with my father. You know, my father wasn't at my high school graduation. My father wasn't at my track meets. My father was absent. And so there were many times in my dormitory in undergrad where I just cried. I was depressed. See, I, I had a fractured relationship with my biological father that still exists to this day. Now, despite the strain in my relationship with him, there are some genetic features that I inherited from him that cannot be denied. See, throughout the years, Wilson men have always had well-defined muscles. I know you can see the, the you, you, you come close, I'm telling you, it's, it's something packing underneath the shirt. But Wilson men have always had muscles. It, it didn't take much for the men in my family to bulk up and, and sport a body that would make this dude jealous. He jealous of me. I want you to know that today. But since I know that I possess this trait, I don't freak out when I get out of the routine of weightlifting. And you want to know why? Because I know that when I return to the gym and put in the necessary work, my body will return to the form that it was genetically designed to have. You see, friends, it's exactly the same way when it comes to the greatness that we've inherited from God. When we put in the effort, our lives can take on the form of holiness that they were designed to express. So understand today that it's not a question of if we can return to a form of greatness that brings glory to God. The issue that we must address is are we willing to put in the necessary work so that our lives can assume the form that they are spiritually designed to have. And I want you to know today that it doesn't matter how many times you screwed things up in the past. We've got to stop thinking and remembering about our past mistakes, our mess-ups. We got to stop thinking about those things and, and stop allowing them to hold us back. It doesn't matter how mediocre your performance or achievement has been. There's greatness in you. There's greatness in you. And in order for the life that you live to have meaning, that that trait of God in you must have dominance over every other gene that's striving for superiority. I don't know if you've noticed this, but there's a war going on inside of each of us. 
And that war just doesn't stop because you earn a title. But there's a war going on. You know the war I'm talking about where you want to be great. You want to strive for things. But there's this, this wrestling inside. There's other issues coming to the surface trying to hold us back. And see, and when we choose to suppress the greatness within us, we don't stand a chance in resisting the temptations and powers of this world. If our inner greatness is under the arrest of our fears and our failures, we're never going to allow ourselves to be freed from destructive attitudes and behaviors when the pressures of life intensify. For many years, friends, I suppressed the greatness of God in me because I refused to let go of the shame that I had over my addiction to pornography. I was hooked. I was bound. I was that little 16-year-old preacher who, who played church, who, who preached and did all the things, but in the back of my mind, I hated myself because I wasn't living up to greatness because I was a slave to sin. So I wouldn't allow myself to even dream about doing things that could, could further the kingdom of God because in the back of my mind was a reminder that my struggle could at any moment return with a vengeance. And since I feared that, I didn't allow myself to do the great things that God was calling me to do. Even though the Bible informed me that Jesus had paid it all, I refused to let go of the belief that I had to become perfect before I could be worthy of God giving me something good or great in my life. And there are a lot of young people who sit in pews like this that I get the opportunity to talk to day in and day out who don't believe that they can do anything in life because they're under the arrest of their sins. They're under the arrest of their their thoughts. They're under the arrest of the abuse that, that took place in, in their life. See, this attitude that I had demonstrated was one of defeat and resignation. But I want you to know God wanted more from and for me. And like God wanted more from and for me, He wants more from and for you. So it's imperative that we allow ourselves to be freed from the things that impact our ability to tap into the greatness of God that's within us. So for us, for our lives to reach their full potential, for us not to be conquered by the sins of our past and presence, for our lives to reach this great point, we need to understand something. We need to connect with the greatness that was deposited into us before our entry into this world. So in our quest towards greatness, I believe that the believer in Jesus has a distinct advantage. As Jesus was preparing to be crucified, he comforted his disciples, those who would believe in him with these words in John chapter 14, verse 16. He said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. The moment we confess Jesus as Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead for our redemption, he deposits within us the Holy Spirit who empowers us to live into the potential of our greatness. 
And you got to hear that today because I know what the world is telling you. Social media and all these other influences are telling you there are a plethora of ways for you to arrive to greatness. But I want you to know that nothing this world offers, neither fame nor fortune, has the ability to help us live into our full potential. The only aid that we can depend on to transform our lives, the only aid that we can have to pull us out of sin and and pornography and sexual immorality and all other kinds of sin is that which comes from the Holy Spirit. And when we have the Holy Spirit, we receive power to overcome the internal and external forces that seek to assassinate the genetic code of God that's embedded deep within us. That's what his assignment is. He wants, to for, wants us to forget that we have been stored with greatness. Satan wants you to have amnesia today. He wants you to look at the family you grew up in. He wants you to focus on all the disadvantages that you face in life. He wants you to focus on your social failures and relationships so that you will not remember that in you has been placed the image and likeness of God. See, when we have the Holy Spirit, we don't have to be afraid of the things that have kept us in bondage. We don't have to fear our failures. We don't have to walk in the shame of our bad decisions. We don't have to remain depressed over our deficiencies. Uh, We don't have to live in the defeat of our doubts. We don't have to be dominated by these things because we have a power within that enables us to live into the greatness that God has designed for us. In 1 John uh, chapter 4, in verse 4, It serves as a great reminder for believers in Jesus of the strength that we possess when facing external oppositions in the world. In this passage, the apostle sought to reassure the faith of the Gentile believers at a time when widespread false teaching and heresy was gaining traction among the Greek Christians. See, many of the believers in that time had become tired of their faith being called into question. So in their weakened state, some had even considered embracing some of the false teachings in order to avoid conflict. Doesn't that sound familiar? We'll avoid conflict because we want to be peaceful. We want to be nice. We want to be liked. And so we'll suppress the truth of God. We won't stand up for everything that the Bible tells us to keep people comfortable, and in love with us. But see, the apostle had to remind them of the power that they had, which would guarantee them victory over the oppositions in the world. He stated, you are from God, little children, and have overcome them. And this next part is what gets me happy. And I have to read it sometimes when I'm down or when the enemy thinks he's winning, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. John wanted the believers to know that they were capable of accomplishing more than they gave themselves credit for because of the empowerment they received from the Holy Spirit that resided within them. The opposition that the world presented couldn't withstand the power that they possessed through the work of the Holy Spirit. And regardless of the obstacles they faced, their confidence in their victorious outcome should never waver because they had a seed of power deposited into their account 
that was more valuable than anything the world could form against them. Now, friends, I got to tell you, there's no doubt in my mind that this passage of Scripture has relevance for us today. We find ourselves in a time uh, when the world has launched a full-scale attack on our faith in Jesus and the truth of His Word. And you know what's really sad about that? Is that there are some Christians today who only embrace a portion of the gospel. There are some Christians today who fill churches and fill chapel service who only believe that Jesus died and rose from the grave to spare them from an eternity in hell. But they reject the notion that because of the work on, of Christ on the cross uh, and beyond the grave, that their lives can be transformed into something new, something beautiful, and something worth living for right now. We don't believe it. Well, I'm just going to accept Jesus so I can have forgiveness of my sins so that when I die and go to heaven, he'll open up the gates for me. But what about life right now? What about right now? Why did Jesus die for your today? You see, some Christians begin to see themselves as the world perceives them. They count themselves out. They throw in the towel. They give up on trying to change and improve. Because in their minds, Jesus didn't die for that. And I want you to know today that if that description fits your condition at the moment, I want you to know that do, you do not need to, to despair today. There is hope for you. And although the world and its pressures have taken a toll on you, you can return to a form of greatness. And I want you to hear me and hear me clearly. If there's nothing else you hear today, hear this. Your time for your comeback is right now. I believe with all my heart that somebody had planned to just come in here and relax and chill, maybe get some assignment done, but God has set up this divine appointment to tell you the time for your comeback is right now. And even if you've experienced setbacks along the way, uh, greatness can still be on your horizon. Your failures aren't fatal. Yes, we've received wounds from life. Yes, we've received scars and, and all kinds of bad things. But guess what? Put your two fingers on your neck. Do you feel a pulse? Do you feel a heartbeat? Well, if that's the case, you still have time. You still have opportunity. And there's greatness that awaits you. I don't care what statistics say. I don't care what anything says. Greatness is in you. You have life. You have opportunity. John chapter 10, 10. It records Jesus saying the following. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I came that they may have life. And guess what, friends? Have it more abundantly. We got to stop thinking that being a Christian is all boring. Oh, no, baby. Being a Christian is about the abundant life. I'm about that life. I don't know about you, but I'm about that life. You see, I understand that one of the essential missions of Jesus was to come and die so that greatness would be evidence in the lives that we live. 
So we got to get the thought out of our mind that in Christ, our life is destined for a lack of significance. And so today I've come from Fort Wayne through Huntington, Indiana to speak today not to the portion of your makeup that promotes your resistance to greatness, but I'm calling out the part of your being that has been neglected for far too long. I'm speaking to the image and likeness of God that's in you. So I say to you today, I will student, young man and woman of God, stop settling for the attitudes and behaviors that rob you from the abundant life that God has destined for you since the day that he gave you a piece of himself. Arise today. Arise today, young man, young woman of God. Surrender your will to the power of the Holy Spirit. There's greatness that awaits you. And when you do that, when you surrender your will to God's will, you watch and see the life that God will provide you with. It's like a life that you never imagined. I tell you what, I'm a brother from the hood. I've seen friends murdered. I, I, I lived in a house where drugs and weed was smoked every way, but still somewhere in my heart, I knew that greatness awaited me and I didn't let nothing stop me. Don't you let nothing stop you. Don't you let nothing stop you. And I'm talking to that person who you know, you, you, you know what, let's be real for a second. I got time. I got like seven minutes, 45, 44. <laughs> I know a, a, that a lot, of, a, a lot of what we deal with, we don't talk about. We don't talk about. We keep it hidden. And when we do that, we suppress greatness. You know how healing happens in our lives? The Bible says, confess your sins one to another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. I'm not, a, I'm not bound by pornography no more. I'm free because I know the power of prayer. I know the greatness, that potential. And so I say this to say, Stop keeping stuff within. You got to let those things out. There are a lot of great men and women at this campus who would love to know who you really are. And in order for you to get to that great place, you got to be open and honest with where you are. Because when I understand where I am, I can see where he's taking me. When I know who I am, I can praise God for what he's brought me to and brought me from. See, when I know the reality of my life, I can praise God and thank him for sacrificing his. There's greatness in you. Let it out. Let it out. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for greatness. Thank you, Father, that even while we were sinners, <laughs> you still said, I want them to be great. So Jesus, go down there and die for them. And don't just leave them alone, but deposit within them the Holy Spirit. One of my greatest assets. And, and, and allow that presence and that empowerment to change their lives, even when they don't believe change is possible. Father, thank you for not getting fatigued over our mess ups and our failures. But we thank you for your grace that is overwhelming and and so amazing that we have the opportunity to change this world
while you're changing ours. Father, bless these students as they go throughout the day. In the name of Jesus, we pray and ask these things. Thank God. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed.